This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse, and I am joined today by Amy Conley, the executive director of United Way of Door County. Amy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Miles. It's great to be here. And um, executive director for United Way is, um, to me, after having worked with you on projects for uh, 10 15 years now. Um, that's kind of an understatement for what you're involved in, I'd say. A um, little bit of housing, a little bit of childcare, a little bit of almost every problem going on in Door County. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because so I've been here 21 years now. Um, and when I first got the job, someone said to me, oh, you're going to be a fundraiser. And I'm like, well, I think that's part of the job, but they told me it was more. And of course, (laughs) fundraising is a huge part of my job. But yes, as those needs in the community surface and bubble up, United Way really tries to be at the table and um, help be part of creating those different solutions. So I feel I've become a mini expert on many topics over the years. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm involved in the Transit Coalition. I know you've been part of those discussions, involved in the Business Recovery Task Force during COVID and and all the different things that were going on during COVID. And you're part of those discussions. And, you know, when you ascend to any sort of leadership position in Door County, you kind of, you get pulled in every direction. Or at least if you're doing your job well, you're getting pulled in every direction because you want to be at the table for those things and, and help. Right. You know, and sometimes United Way can play a very big role in those things. And sometimes I'm just very much, hey, somebody tell me what to do. And I'm happy to be the follower and carry out the task. So, you know, it is, though, it's especially COVID. I feel you and I spent a lot of time on Zoom (laughs) together. Um, (laughs) I was like, oh, another Zoom meeting. Oh, another Zoom meeting. But, you know, again, that was a great opportunity, again, to continue continue to learn more and continue to bring this community together. I think that's the thing that impresses me the most about Door County. And one of the reasons I I choose to stay here is just that sense of community. I mean, this is very unique compared to other places, even small rural communities. I think we're very unique in that sense of community. Yeah. And in another place, your job might be really a lot more confined or might be more specific to just fundraising or um, just representing out in the community. Um, but here you get, you have your hands in everything and because, and it's, I feel the same way. It's, it's great to be able to feel like you can help sometimes in a larger (laughs) city. Uh, I know when I lived in Chicago, you feel like, well, man, there's just so much, the problems are so big that to try and help, you just feel like you don't make a dent, but up here you can just by giving a little bit of effort, you actually can feel that you make a difference. So it's a pretty unique, and maybe that's why we have such a strong volunteer and nonprofit core here and philanthropic core. Yeah, I do think so. People feel feel they're valued and feel that they are making a difference. So let's talk about a little some of the stuff at United Way because you you're different than say um you know whether it's pen players where they're they're working specifically on theater. They have the one core thing that they do. United Way has their hands in a lot of different things. So tell me about some of that how it works for you. Do you you kind of pick a, 
a focus area while you're still doing all these other things, but you kind of fit, pick a focus area or two every year or two. And I know childcare is one of those um, last year. Yeah. So, you know, our work falls into four primary areas, um, educational, healthy lifestyles, financial stability, and then basic needs. Um, and basic needs is one that doesn't always get a lot of our attention, but in the last 21 months or whatever we're at here now, um, it definitely has gotten more of our attention. So our work is always focused in those areas, but then, right, how do we pick that that issue of the moment or the concern of the moment? Um, some of it is focused on our strategic plan that kind of has that work calendared out for us, but other things, it's as it becomes a crisis. So childcare, for example, we had planned on working on that in 2020. We called our first focus group meeting in February. And then, you know, we continued working, even though it was COVID, on Zoom. But then when the Barker Center announced their closing, it became a crisis. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a shift then in staff time, Christina's time, my time. Um, our board's focus shifted because that truly became the need of the moment. We still had to do all of our other work and all of our other COVID work. But if there was going to be a child care center serving 100 to 120 kids every day, truly closing, we needed to make sure that didn't happen. Hmm. Um, and what kind of things, your, your effort on child care, it started out as, hey, let's talk about solutions. And like you said, then it turned into, wow, we really have to, this isn't like a long-term plan. This is really heavy crisis right now. <laughs> what did you learn throughout this process. Um, and to, for listeners who don't know, um, there were a series of forums with different people, child care providers, uh, state legislators, parents. You did a really cool thing where you just got, gathered parents from different parts of the county and different backgrounds to, to share their experiences in searching for child care and, and the, the gaps that exist here and how it prevents people from being able to work. But um, that was just one aspect of it. You had a lot of different forums, a lot of different experts come in and talk about solutions and, and why the problem exists. And I think that put a lot of tentacles out throughout the community. What did you learn and what's, where are we at right now in terms of um, fixing the childcare problem? Yeah. So we learned a lot and it was a really good experience. Um, you know, we came up with some key areas that we really want to focus our energy on. Um, one of those is trying to figure out how to support that current child care workforce and then attracting more child care workers. One of the things we talked about was the wages and benefits that typically aren't there for our child care workers. Um, and as anyone with kid know, kids know, kids love consistency, right? So if we've got a different child care worker in their child care room every two, three months, that's not good for our kids. Um, so they really become attached quickly. So working with those licensed centers right now on that piece of it, doing a lot of grant writing to see how we can strengthen um, that workforce and then attract more workers. As we look to not necessarily add to a current child care center, but maybe expand a current child care center, that's where additional workers are really going to come into play. Um, and then that home-based side of things, trying to create 
a network within those home-based providers so that they can have better supports um, for those who want to become licensed to give them the tools that they need. Um, Economic Development, Door County Economic Development Corporation is helping us with that area. They've been a strong partner of ours in our work in child care as well. Um, And then looking at that sustainability piece, which turns into fundraising um, and how we can continue continue to move the bigger pieces of this forward. We don't want to put that burden on a parent. So all of the things I've talked about cost money um, and miles as a parent, right? You don't want to see your tuition costs go up <laughs> at a child care center. <laughs> you know that child care worker deserves to be paid a lot more. Um oh. But we don't want to put that burden just on the parents. So how do we find that balance? And that's what we really found is that the current child care system nationwide, not just here in Door County, is really broken. Um, and how do we come up with a new model? So those next steps for us, we've been doing a lot of grant writing, trying to hire an additional staff person um, to really move our work forward so we can come up with those out-of-the-box ideas working with our um, volunteer community. Yeah. You, when you talk about the, the staff issue and just recruiting workers, obviously that's an issue in almost every industry up yeah. here now. And we just, at the pulse, we mm-hmm. just launched this video to, and a series of videos and campaign and outreach to try and just recruit people to even be thinking about working up here just in the summer. I mean, forget about the, the long term mm-hmm. year round thing. But part of this is right. we hope you get them here for a summer people come back. I mean, this newspaper exists because Dave Elliott worked a summer job up here <laughs> um, and eventually <laughs> stuck around and, and launched a newspaper. The yeah. same thing with these childcare workers though. I mean, when, when people say, yeah, there's, I can't get into daycare, your knee jerk is going, well, then wouldn't the market drive someone to open a new daycare center? And it's not as simple as building a building and deciding you want to go no. into business. There just aren't the workers. And even the daycare center where I drop off my 18 month old every day, you know, they're, they're dealing with the turnover and the lack of workers and then trying to do the same work with fewer people and still give people a great experience with the, the most precious thing in their life, with this, which is their child. Um, and then doing all this during COVID, where I still, since my child started going to daycare, I still don't go in the building. I drop them off at the door, hand them off, and pick them up at the end of the day. And they're dealing with that. Like, that takes more resources, more time to, to handle things that way. So... Yeah, our child care centers are are in a tough spot. They really are in a tough spot. And that's the thing so many people have said to me, can't we just build a building? I'm like, well, that's really nice. We could build a building, but I don't know who's going to staff that building, Um, you know, and then just all of the ongoing costs of maintaining a building, um, which both of our, um, the two nonprofits that we work with, and I'm sure the for-profit center in Brussels as well, faces those ongoing costs. You know, how much money then do you invest in a new roof, a new furnace, repaving your parking lot, yet alone then your playground and all your educational and fun playground equipment? Mm-hmm. And then meeting all the new standards. I mean, it's just, it's not the same as it was 25, right. 30, 40 years ago. And those wages, so, some people think it I should tell- be like a, a seven, eight, nine dollar an hour job, but that's, it, A, it shouldn't be. B, that doesn't exist anymore in, in the way the, the economy has shifted. So that just drives right. up the cost. So it's a, it's a really, really difficult one to solve. Yeah. And, you know, that was part of um, one of the 
the town hall meetings we did was that conversation on how, you know, childcare, whether it's in home or a group center, is prepping those kiddos to go then into 4K or 5K, depending on the school district you're in. And so it really is teaching children and getting them ready. It's not just playing or babysitting. And oh, yeah. I think that's that difference, too, between a 7 $8 job and in $18, $20. And I'll admit to total ignorance on that until I did a story a couple of years ago about um, a handicapped child who was going to school at Northern Door Children's mm-hmm. Center. And that's the first time mm-hmm. I took a tour and I walked around and this is before I had a kid. And it's like, wow, so this is really like a school. <laughs> I guess I, I just thought of it as like this kind of room where the kids play, but they really do teach a lot. Yeah. And I, I see it in my own kid. Like a, he comes home learning stuff and... And also just learning how to be around other kids. And there's so much, obviously, we don't need to go into the, the weeds of what the advantage is. Right. But it's different than my perspective was uh, before I toured the school versus, oh, you babysit the kids. Now it's, and especially with the standards that not just schools have, but parents have for what they expect their kid to be able to do at age four or five is light years beyond right. what four-year-old Miles was able to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, I went to half-day kindergarten. I don't think I had to know any of this stuff back in the day. And now it's like, no, you got to know it when you come to kindergarten. Yeah. Like, I think I might have learned my ABCs in kindergarten. Now it's like, oh, you're two? You should have it. <laughs> Are you reading books yet? You're like, I can count to 10, maybe. Yeah. Not sure. <laughs> I thought I was pretty good. I was a smart kid. Um, but shifting gears, one of the things that beyond childcare now and although this is this is part of the childcare discussion, I mean, childcare, housing, workforce, they are so interwoven. Like right now, my child can't go to daycare for two weeks because he was a contact of somebody who had tested positive for COVID. Nobody else in the family, nobody else has it. Everyone's tested negative. Connor's tested negative, but he can't return to daycare. So my wife and I are going through what so many parents did for a year or 18 months is all right, now how do we arrange it? And it's it's a juggling act. It's uh, work late at night, work early in the morning, <laughs> pass them back and forth. Um, but it's exactly. it's really difficult. So when you don't have, it, it's, it's our little um, trial of all these people who can't find daycare solutions and what, how you have a career that way. And I'm lucky I own my business. My wife works from home. We have flexibility. If I were, this would be a totally different story if we were to... I was a cook and she was a bartender or, you know, anything else that required us to be on the site, construction worker, what have you, you have to do it in those hours. Um, we have that flexibility. Most people don't. So you really see that, that difference. And then as that happens and you, and you don't have the housing situation for people, as, as all these costs go up, they all impact each other and they are, they, every problem impacts our ability to address a different problem. And you had sent me this, uh, spreadsheet about the increased costs in so many areas of for especially if you're someone who's subsisting on like Door County's median wage these increases are, are really dramatic for you so tell me what when you saw this what did you think about and w- and it probably spurred you going oh man this is another problem <laughs> to solve 
So for about 10 years now, United Ways across the nation have been working on a project called United for Alice. And Alice stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. Um, And all of the United Ways in Wisconsin are part of this. But this is so interesting to me because when we think about Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed, Wow, that's going to be a lot of Door County. When we think Mm -hmm. about the seasonality of our jobs, the fact that we might even be in a management position somewhere, but really aren't making the same as we'd make in a bigger city, but we choose to stay here. Um, And so I had asked Christina to pull, you know, some information to just see what this inflation piece was really doing and really looked like because I knew my grocery bill was going up. I knew my gas was costing more, but I didn't really understand, you know, how much it was costing and the impacts it was having on people. And so the thing that jumps out at me on here is, um, you know, just the cost of food. So if the first thing under food on our sheet here is meat, poultry, and fish. That's at 10%. So if you're a single parent feeding two kids, you maybe are getting a certain amount of food share, food stamp money, but now that's not even going as far. So how are you able to make ends meet? And that's why we've been heavily promoting our food pantries and making sure our food pantries are fully stocked through the Food Pantry Coalition because, you know, somebody gives you a $50 gift card to a grocery store here in Door County, you're maybe getting... $30 of food at the price it was a year and a half ago. So that's really hard for our families when you start looking at that. Or diaper prices, they're up 8.7%. I mean, think if you got two kids in diapers. What the heck? I can't imagine (laughs) that, right? I mean, I can't imagine two kids. I'm still scared of that day, but... um. But it's coming. And now that it's coming to winter, yeah, but, you know, winter with our heating costs, I mean... We're going to see a lot of people really struggling to pay those heating bills or if they're on propane, keep those propane tanks filled. Um, And for, you know, listeners who aren't on propane, um, when your propane tank goes empty, all the way empty, there's an extra charge then to get that bill. I've done that. Yeah. (laughs) You've made that mistake, right? Uh, Maybe more than once. Um, Yeah. And if you're not filling it because you can't afford to get it filled and then you completely run out and then you have to ask for help to get it filled, well, then it costs so much more. Um, So, uh, you know, we really want people to be as proactive as possible in reaching out for those resources. You know, if it's that utility assistance, getting that food pantry list, asking for whatever help they need because this inflation piece just really, it shocks me and I don't, I wish I had better answers for it. You know, I wish I could say, oh, we have all these emergency resources, which as a community we do, but they're a little hard to access. So wanting people to be proactive and taking the time to work through those hoops to access those services. Well, and when you talk about this Alice category, to put it in basic terms, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a huge chunk of our workforce in Door County. These are people who are working full time, but still can't right. afford. And this happens all over the country. Yeah, they still can't. Uh, you know, they're, some are in poverty. Nine percent of Door County residents are living in poverty. And then another 21 percent are that, you know, 
a little above poverty or maybe they're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, but that range of income there is huge. And we figure it's about $20 to $22 an hour is what someone would need to make to, you know, support their family well here in Door County and be able to start putting a little money in savings um, and have those those basic needs met without having to worry. The putting money in savings, I mean, at that wage is still pretty optimistic, so, right? You know, when you think then people don't have a retirement plan, um, they don't have a savings account. And I always say here in Wisconsin, your furnace is going to go out or you're going to hit a deer. Um, yeah. And those are the things you really need that savings account for. And then nowadays, you, you get a service call. You need a plumber. You need an electrician. You need the propane guys out there. Everyone's so busy that you're paying a premium. Mm-hmm. And I think for, there's a subset of our population, and I've, to their credit, there's a group that actually invited me to talk to them about the, the child care and some of these cost of living um, problems up here because specifically they said, you know, we're a long way from the, the time when we actually had to worry about this. This was a group of people who, who had the funds and they were like, we need to really put in perspective how, what this means, you know, because we all kind of set our baseline based on what was a good income or something when we were growing up or what our parents made or what we made. And, and our, our school should be what we experienced in school and anything better than that is like a luxury, but things change, you know, $15 an hour isn't a lot of money anymore. When I was a kid, $15 an hour seemed like, I remember when my mom finally made that much and I thought we were rich. Um, but yeah. now that'll, if you're lucky, $15 an hour is going to at least get you rent and you can pay for your car. Probably aren't paying down your student loans very fast. Um, so it's, no. it's a, it's a different world and it's yeah. only getting more expensive here. So what, so when you guys see this at United Way, what's your, what kicks into gear or what, what things do you see, you see these increased prices what do you change about your strategy and the things you guys are doing? So we're in the middle of a strategic plan to announce a big, bold goal, hopefully in April of 2022. So just a few months away, which is why I now say hopefully. Um, <laughs> but really trying to figure out how we can help that population that is Alice move into what is considered stability and knowing that just asking employers to pay more is not the answer. Um, So really spending time with those families, having those conversations or individuals having those conversations, you know, what are you spending your money on? What tools and resources can we give you? I was chatting with, um, a professional woman um, makes pretty good money um, and just she's just not making ends meet. And we started talking about things and, you know, she shared that she has a smoking addiction and I, I don't smoke. And I asked how much a pack of cigarettes is. And when she told me what she was spending per day on a pack of cigarettes, you know, let's say it's $10, $12 as like, um, oh my God, like literally jaw dropped as like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but no judgment there, but what are those tools? So we started thinking like, 
oh, if United Way or our nonprofit partners we work with, like if a smoking sensation program was introduced, you know, and if we helped people get the tools and resources that they needed to to kick that habit, you know, that would be how much more money in this individual's pocketbook every day so that they could start getting ahead and create that savings plan. Um, because, yeah, $10 a day in savings, that's huge. Right. Uh, so just, you know, that's where it really is for each person coming up with that individual plan. And those are the things, you know, that we really want to start looking at and really talking about publicly um, come April. So, you know, listeners will be hearing more about how we want to help Alice. We're now for eight years, we've been talking about Alice and people are like, okay, I mean, now what are you going to do? I'm like, yeah, exactly. We're, we're done talking. We now have to do something. <laughs> um, but it goes along with, you know, childcare wages, like we were talking about even, you know, so not putting that burden on that childcare center, but what else can be done then in this community to help people make ends meet if they're only making $15 an hour, that example that you used. It's a big, scary project ahead of us. <laughs> but you, and part of it is like, you just got to try stuff to some extent, you know, you, you try a solution. Right. Sometimes people judge the nonprofit world and very much of you must be perfect. If you try something and you spend a penny in the wrong spot, well, then you're, you're, you're wasting the money, but you would never take that same approach for business. You know, every business screws up marketing. They launch products that fail. I mean, the massive corporations launch things like crystal Pepsi, you know, they take huge stabs at things because one of them is going to stick and pay off. And that's this, we don't allow nonprofits that same leeway, even though we say you should run like a business. Well, if, if government and nonprofits ran like a business, they would take big swings and some of them are going to miss and we'd have to be okay with that. Um, because that's how you find out the thing yeah, that and, works. Right. And I have to say, you know, the community has become a little more accepting of us taking those big swings. Um, and I think it helps that I have been here 20 plus years that people kind of trust me to, you know, say, this is the plan. We want to try it. Um, you know, like with Strider School-Based Mental Health Program, hey, that worked great on the first try. Um, you mentioned the Transit Coalition earlier. Um, that took us a few tries, you know, and a few different options out there to really see what was going to stick and really help meet those needs in our community. And let's take that to one final point then is how does United Way do it? You have... You launched an annual campaign and you have a big goal for this year to try and raise more money than ever before. Yes. So um, our goal this year is $775,000, which is up 3% over what we raised last year. We wrapped up the 2020 campaign with $752,000, which was 200,000 more than we had ever raised before. So definitely a huge increase in Door County's generosity and sense of community was so present in 2020 that we are eternally grateful for that. But what we found is one, the needs are greater, the needs are bigger, they're more expensive. Um, and we're just looking at this cost of living piece, you know, 
$500,000 definitely doesn't go as far as it was three, four years ago when that's what we were raising. Right. So now needing that full 775000 And again, knowing that's not going to go far enough either. We're in the process right now of reviewing all those grant applications for who's going to receive funding next year. And yeah, not enough money. Um, <laughs> you know, people are always like, Amy, how much money do you really need? I'm like, a million, a million and a half. I'm like, all you know, it. unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, all of it. <laughs> 10 million a year, that would help. Um, but it is, it's so complex as we were talking to. You know, we can't just focus on childcare or we can't just focus on housing. Um, so as we try to spread our staff as thin as possible, it's also looking at as different programs start with other nonprofits, like all this work we want to do with the Alice population, who's going to staff those new initiatives and that new work? Um, and is there the dollars then to support that? So when people say, Amy, you keep asking for more money, why does United Way always need more money? Um, because doing good work and trying new innovative solutions, um, unfortunately, costs more than it did when I started in 1999. I feel really old when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and then give people a little picture of how United Way works. It's, in, in my understanding, you guys raise the money, you're the big umbrella, and then people, local organizations then can apply for grants from United Way. Sometimes it's small, sometimes they're larger, but you kind of help plant a seed so people can either launch new programs to address some of these issues or continue existing programs. Do I have that pretty good summary there? Yeah, that is a very good summary. So, um, Right now, we've got 35 different nonprofit programs applying to us for funding. We have um, seven community members called the Community Investment Committee who review those applications and make those decisions on, you know, is it 2000 10000 on the largest grant we've ever given is $40,000. Um, what's going to be given to them in based on how much money, you know, our community generously trusts us with. And I really use that word trust because they're trusting us to do the best we can with those dollars. Um, you know, and obviously some of those dollars do go to pay me, go to pay two other staff members, and then Associated Bank generously gives us a very reduced cost, but we're just like any business. We have to pay rent. We have phone and computer costs as well, but the majority of those dollars do definitely go back out into the community to provide those basic services, like Help of Door County is one that we fund every year. Um, domestic abuse is here and present here in Door County, even though people think sometimes we're perfect. Um, we have those same problems. Everyone yeah. else has. Um, and these are know, the things the that are not, club. these are not sexy items to, for a donor. Like you don't get to, don't. you don't get to put your name on funding a counselor. You know, th that doesn't go on a building nope. somewhere, but that, that is probably much more impactful. Like say the stride program, which put uh, a counselor in the schools right. at least one day a week. And I know United Way was a big part of that. And, you know, mm -hmm. that doesn't get your, you, there, there's yeah. not a, a good placard there for you, but you're impacting dozens of kids every single week 
get through difficult things. So um, that's the kind of work that exactly. in, that United Way puts a lot of their effort to. Yeah, you know, we talk about that gift to United Way is either helping somebody just get through the day with food or utilities, right? But it could also be saving their life. Um, it could be helping them in a sexual assault situation, domestic violence, um, the mental health crisis we just touched on there. You just don't know um, how it's going to help. I've, I've joked saying that we need every nonprofit staff member to have like a NASCAR jacket and we could have all of our donors' names on those jackets. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sponsor a therapist because, yeah, and we, you just get a patch. <laughs> right. You know, because we, we don't have, and you know, we brought up Peninsula players earlier. We, we know what they stand for and we can have our name on a chair. We can have our name on a building. And as donors, we feel really good about that. Where here, when you donate to United Way, I can sell you a really good feel-good experience, but I can't give you that tangible product in return. Yeah. You just have to know that you're helping our community be as strong as it possibly can. Well, Amy, thanks for joining us on the podcast here and, and giving yeah. us a little glimpse into what you're doing and, and what some of these issues are in Door County. Um, and thanks for all the work you do. I hope, um, no no knock on you, but I hope I see a lot less of you in 2022 than we did in 2020 and the early 2021. That means <laughs> hopefully that COVID has gone away and we're not sitting on Zoom sessions every other day. But um, thanks for all the work you've done and thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.